Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the podcast. It's been a little bit. I realized it's been a month since I have put out a podcast episode. So I took a little break over the holidays and getting into the new year and getting into our groove, but we are back. This is dropping on a Tuesday because of a small mix-up, but then we're back every Monday. So I will be consistent with that because I'm now on a routine and big update. I am now a stay at home mom. So that's been part of this transition. I was really busy kind of wrapping everything up with my job and making sure it was all handed off well and, you know, still making sure my house was running. And so all of that's good. And we are settling into a routine, but today is my very first day of actually like being a stay at home mom. My husband's in the office at work And I am, I'm doing it. So I'm excited. I have my schedule all laid out. So again, every Monday will be your podcast episode. Drop uh, topics that you would like to hear about. I talk a little bit more about it at the end of this episode of like, I want to talk about faith, politics, and history, like any political things, any theology things, anything that you want to learn about or hear more about, no matter how niche or broad it is. I just want to learn about anything related to those. I don't want to talk about fluffy topics this year, you know? I mean, I kind of take it back because I do have an episode coming up about the debutante ball because I saw that there was one with all these super famous people. And I was like, I need to learn about the history of what a debutante ball is. So that's kind of fluffy. But, you know, I want to learn about real history and like dive into political things that I don't know about or I don't have an opinion on or I'm not educated on or theology debates you know like I want to actually discuss some meaningful things on the podcast and I'm excited about it so again thank you for coming back from you know me taking a break I love doing this podcast so I appreciate you all listening Um, this one, as you can tell from the title is it's coming out the day after MLK junior day, but yesterday was MLK day. And I wanted to learn about him, about the holiday, when it became a holiday, when we recognize it, how we recognize it and kind of what his life was. Because, you know, I know, or before researching, I knew that he led civil rights, uh, efforts, He had a lot of marches. He did the I Have a Dream speech. I've been to the mountaintop speech. You know, there's things that I knew about him, but I did not know a ton of details. And so this was a great way to recap and also um, just realize how we got here to having a holiday, specifically calling him out by name. So that is what this episode is going to be. I'm excited for you to listen and I hope you enjoy it. have a like timeline of Martin Luther King Jr.'s life that I'm going to go over. It's from guides.lib.lsu.edu. So this is from Louisiana State University. But it was a really good timeline of his life and just a recap. So he was born at noon on January 15th, 1929. So 
his holiday, the holiday for MLK Jr. is, I mean, we'll talk about it, but I, it's always the third Monday of January. And so it rarely falls on his actual birthday, but this year it actually does. His actual birthday is January 15th. His parents were Reverend and Mrs. Martin Luther King Sr. His home, um, he lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and it gives his actual address, 501 Auburn Avenue, Northeast Atlanta, Georgia. So he grew up in Georgia. In 1944, he graduated from Booker T. Washington High School, and he was admitted to Morehouse College at the age of 15. So he was very, very smart and got through school very quickly. In 1948, he graduated from Morehouse College and entered the Crozer Theological Seminary, and he was ordained to be a, a Baptist. Um, well, it says or, he was ordained to the Baptist ministry when he was 19 on February 25th, 1948. So he's doing everything young. If you've listened to the podcast before, like the intros, I may have mentioned that I am planning on starting seminary in the fall. And... To think that he did all that and graduated and did a four-year seminary and finished at 19 is pretty wild. 1951, he enters Boston University for graduate studies, so he, he likes his schooling. 1953, he married Coretta Scott, and he settled in Montgomery, Alabama. So, um... Then two years later, he received his doctorate of philosophy in systematic theology from Boston University. That was obviously in Boston, Massachusetts on June 5th, 1955. Now it says that he had a dissertation and the dissertation title that he graduated with this doctorate with was called this, a comparison of the conception of God in the thinking of Paul Tillich and Henry Nelson Wyman. Okay, and then that same year, this is when his kind of activism starts because he joins the bus boycott after Rosa Parks was arrested on December 1st. It says that on December 5th, he was elected president of the Montgomery Improvement Association, which made him the official spokesperson for the boycott. So he jumped very quickly into a leadership role within the civil rights movement, like within four days of the start of the bus boycotts. Um, the next year, on November 13th, the Supreme Court rules that bus segregation is illegal, and that just, that means basically the boycott was successful. That is a victory for the boycott. 1957, King, inform, King forms the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which their goal was to fight segregation and achieve civil rights it says on May 17th, Dr. King speaks to a crowd of 15,000 people in Washington, D.C. So again, he is becoming a huge leader. He rose to a leadership position very quickly, but he's been having a lot of success. People want to hear him talk, and he is very influential at this point. 1958, the U.S. Congress passes the first Civil Rights Act since Reconstruction. Uh, he also wrote a book called Stride Towards Freedom, Stride Toward Freedom, which would be an interesting read. <clears throat> um, okay, then he went on, a, he was on a speaking tour in that same year of 1958, and he almost was killed when he got stabbed by an assailant in Harlem. I always hear about his actual assassination, like I know that he was assassinated. 
I don't know if I've ever heard that he got stabbed and almost died before his death. People were really out to get him because, again, he was so influential, such a good leader, and also advocating, you know, for peace. And people did not like that. Okay, the same year, 1958, was a huge year, but he met with President Dwight D. Eisenhower along with Roy Wilkins, A. Philip Randolph, and Lester Grange on problems affecting black Americans. 1959, he visited India to study Mohandas Gandhi's philosophy of nonviolence, and he resigns as the pastor of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church so that he can concentrate on civil rights full-time. Up until this point, he was both a pastor and leading the civil rights movement, but in 1959, he was like, this is too much. He resigned as a pastor, and he is focusing now fully on the civil rights movement fight. He moves to Atlanta and directs the activities of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in that same year. Okay, 1960, he can't stay away from pastoring for too long. He becomes a co-pastor with his dad at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. This is the year that lunch counter sit-ins are happening in North Carolina. So, They started in North Carolina, and they started spreading, and in Atlanta in 1960, he is arrested during a sit-in, waiting to be served at a restaurant, and he's sentenced to four months in jail, but even though he was sentenced, John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy both intervened, and he was released, so he did not have to serve his time in jail. There were also Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee Um, that was founded in 1960 to coordinate protests at Shaw University, which was in North Carolina. Okay, in November, the Interstate Commerce Commission bans segregation in interstate travel due to the work of Martin Luther King Jr. and the Freedom Riders. So now they're really starting to get some traction. You know, the bus boycott was traction, but, but this is really... You know, a banning of segregation in interstate travel is big. Um, there was a an organization called CORE, which was the Congress on Racial Equality, and that began the first freedom ride through the South in a Greyhound bus after the U.S. Supreme Court outlawed segregation in transportation, in interstate transportation. So to kind of drive that point home, there were people immediately riding the bus throughout the South, non-segregated. 1962, um, during the unsuccessful Albany, Georgia movement, King is arrested on July 27th, and this time he is jailed. The next year, 1963, on Good Friday, April 12th, King is arrested with Ralph Abernathy Abernathy, by Police Commissioner Eugene Bull Connor for demonstrating without a permit. Um, The next day, the Birmingham campaign is launched, and this, they say, is like the turning point of the war to end segregation in the South. This is really when things start to turn around. So Martin Luther King Jr. spent 11 days in jail, and he wrote his famous letter from a Birmingham jail. So I looked up the actual letter from the Birmingham jail, and it's decently long there i will link 
the text or link the article to the entire text of the article, but quotes like injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Um, that came from this letter. Oppressed people cannot remain oppressed forever. The yearning for freedom eventually manifests itself. We have not made a single gain in civil rights without determined legal and nonviolence pressure. Lamentably, it is a historical fact that privileged groups seldom give of their privilege voluntarily. So there's a lot of big quotes and good takeaways um, from this letter. And so that um, came out of his his 11 days in jail. He didn't, he didn't wait. You're spending 11 days in jail. He went right to work crafting this, this letter. Okay. On May 10th, the Birmingham agreement is announced. It says the stores, restaurants, and schools will be desegregated. Hiring of blacks will be implemented and charges are dropped. And then about a month and a half later, MLK then leads 125,000 people on a freedom walk in Detroit. So they march through the city um, to demand freedom. On August 28th, the March on Washington becomes the largest civil rights demonstration in history with nearly 250,000 people in attendance. And this is where he makes the famous I have a dream speech. So I have a dream that one day my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. So... That is, I mean, there's a lot more to that speech, obviously, but that is like the big takeaway of the speech. And then November 22nd of 1963, President Kennedy is assassinated. Okay. 1964, which we're getting into where, you know, well, like the, the good stuff is happening with the Civil Rights Act. But on January 3rd, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. is the man of the year, Time Magazine's man of the year. So he appeared on the cover in 1964. He then attends the signing ceremony of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 at the White House on July 2nd. And then this is interesting. During the summer, King experiences his first hurtful rejection by black people when he is stoned by black Muslims in Harlem. Now this is a divide I didn't really know happened. Of course, it would make sense that there are some factions of people, you know, who don't agree. And I knew there was a more, there was a, a, a faction of people who wanted violence, who wanted, um, who thought violence was like the only way to get civil rights. So I understood that, but I did not know that he got stoned in Harlem. Um, 1964 in December, December 10th, King is awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. He is the youngest person to be awarded the Nobel Peace Prize at age 35. Now, when I look at him, I thought he was much older than 35. I mean, not because he like looks old, but just because he's like so put together, he's leading a huge civil rights movement. Like there's so much responsibility, but really he did everything young is what I'm realizing. He graduated high school young. He graduated college young. He graduated seminary young. He got his doctorate young. He became a leader in this movement young. So 35, he wins the Nobel Peace Prize. On February 2nd, he is arrested in Selma, Alabama during a voting rights demonstration in 1965. And then after President Johnson signs the Voting Rights Act into law, Martin Luther 
Luther King Jr. starts turning to socioeconomic problems. So this rolls into the next year where on January 22nd, he moves into a Chicago slum tenement to attract the attention to the living conditions of the poor. So he didn't just, just talk about race. He talked about poverty and, again, these socioeconomic problems. Okay, uh, in June of 1966, King and others begin the march against fear throughout the South. And then the next month, on July 10th, he initiates a campaign to end discrimination in housing, employment, and schools in Chicago. So, again, a focus on racism for sure, but also these socioeconomic issues and also kind of where race and the socioeconomic issues overlap. All right, 1967, the Supreme Court holds a conviction of MLK by a Birmingham court for demonstrating without a permit, and he spends four days in a Birmingham jail. Now, before I researched MLK Jr., I did not realize he had such short stints in jail. Like, he would go for, like, 11 days, for four days, for, you know, short time periods, but it's because, really, like, this is all they could convict him of, at least up till this point was like he okay he held a demonstration without a permit that you're not going to spend like years in jail for some reason i think i thought that he spent like years and years in jail okay on november 27th king announces the inception of the poor people's campaign focusing on jobs and freedom for the poor of all races so that's another kind of maybe misconception is he was not just advocating for black people he was also like advocating for like poor anyone anyone poor he was advocating for he marched in support of sanitation workers in memphis tennessee also in 1967 um in march of that same year he led a march that did in fact turn violent and this is the first time one of his speech had turned violent so again he was all for non-violent non-violence but one of his marches did turn violent he delivered I've Been to the Mountaintop speech, which is very famous, and you should definitely listen to that. It's um, really, really good. And then King announces that the Poor People's Campaign will culminate in a march on Washington and demand $12 billion um, in an economic bill of rights, guaranteeing employment to the able-bodied income, income to those unable to work, and an end to housing discrimination. So that, those were the demands. 1968, it says, at sunset on April 4th, Martin Luther King Jr. is fatally shot while standing on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee. And this caused riots. There says there were riots and disturbances in 130 American cities, 20,000 arrests related to those riots. And his funeral on April 9th was an international event. Uh, It says within a week of the assassination, the Open Housing Act is passed by Congress. And then it wasn't until 1986 on November 2nd that a national holiday is proclaimed in King's honor. Now, the declaration of the holiday actually happened earlier than that in 1983, and we'll go over that, but it didn't actually go into effect and like wasn't an actual national holiday until 86. So that is the timeline of his life. He lived a very impactful, obviously an impactful life packed with things. Um, and so 
you know, it was definitely shorter than, than one would want, but definitely he enacted a ton of change. So that's his life. Let's go into the holiday. Okay. So again, uh, it wasn't until 1968 that Martin Luther King Jr. Day became a federally recognized holiday. And it was even longer until all 50 states recognized the holiday by 2000. So that seems really, really late, but we'll go through it. A lot of holiday or a lot of states were recognizing more general holidays. Instead of MLK Jr. Day, they were recognizing like Civil Rights Day or like there was Wyoming Equality Day or something like that. So it was still honoring civil rights, but not necessarily MLK Jr. Day specifically. So, um, so this article on USA Today talks about the holiday, but it also talks a little bit about his life, which we kind of already uh, talked about. But it says the holiday in honor... Okay, the holiday in his honor is time to honor King's birthday, which is, as we mentioned, January 15th, though it rarely falls on that actual day, because of the Uniform Monday Holiday Act, which former President Lyndon B. Johnson signed into law in 1968. So that's why a lot of holidays are like, you observe that holiday on the you know third Monday of this month, or the first Monday of this month, is so that everyone knows when the holiday is, because if we always celebrated it on his birthday, it would change every year, obviously. So it is the third Monday of every month. And um, MLK Day was designated as a national day of service in which all Americans are encouraged to volunteer to improve their communities, according to the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture. It says across the nation, cities and local communities hold will host ceremonies and volunteer events on Monday. Now, I feel like this part of the holiday has been lost. I feel like everyone sees it as a day off. I have not at least heard that it's like a day of volunteering until I read this. So, you know, I know this is coming out after MLK Day, but for the future ones, like, try to go volunteer. That would be a good thing to do. Okay. So the NAACP also hosts its its annual King Day at the Dome event. Um, and this year, Vice President Kamala Harris headlined it. So the campaign for the holiday began four days after he was assassinated on April 4th, 1968. A man named James Earl Ray confessed to shooting him and he was sentenced to nine years in or sorry, nine years, 99 years in prison. Um, it says, despite the national fervor inspired by the death of the leader who was instrumental in the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the legislation to honor him just languished. So there was like one representative, John Conyers, who was a Democrat from Michigan, who just kept reintroducing this legislation every year. And he just kept bringing it up. And it wasn't until 15 years after his death that they finally made it a, a national holiday. So on November 2nd, 1983, President Ronald Reagan signed a bill making it the third Monday in January, a federal holiday in observance of King's legacy. The holiday was first observed three years later on January, <clears throat> on January 20th, 1986. Now this also goes into the fact that Stevie Wonder helped, which is kind of interesting. It says years before Reagan signed the bill, the legislation had been struck down by the House in 1979 even as President Jimmy Carter called on Congress to pass it. Um, 
so the bill was defeated basically and stevie wonder released his song happy birthday which is an ode to martin luther king jr and his vision and it said it galvanized <clears throat> support for the public public support for the holiday and it recognized all of his achievements and stuff so that kind of really was influential in getting congress on board and and the public opinion um it says that he also made regular appearances along king's widow coretta scott king at rallies um and so the bill made it onto the floor again in 1983 coretta scott king and wonder delivered a petition with six million signatures in favor of the holiday and then the bill passed super easily with a vote of 338 to 90. Um, <clears throat> it says at the Senate level, Republican Senator Jesse Helms attempted to accuse King of being a communist, but it still had so much momentum, it passed the Senate. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, and I'm sure, I don't know. It seems like some of these things that he tried to pass were good at socioeconomic reforms, but I guess I could maybe see how some of those were a little bit of <laughs> um, not full communism. But, you know, if you're very against like welfare or anything, some of those things would clash with that. All right. It says by this time, 17 states had already enacted king holidays of their own. Other states, though, were resistant to the idea of honoring king by name. Instead, they observed holidays with alternative names. For example, Arizona and New Hampshire celebrated Civil Rights Day. Wyoming celebrated Wyoming Equality Day. So two, the year 2000 was the first time that MLK Day was officially observed in all 50 states for the first time. So, again, that is a little bit about the holiday. That's a little bit about the man behind the holiday. And, yeah, I did not know that it, you were supposed to, I mean, I guess it makes sense, go out and, like, help your community and volunteer and stuff and... I feel like that part has been totally lost. So that's a good reminder. Um, but I hope you enjoyed the episode. Again, we are back. I will be on every Monday and we will be <laughs> consistent in our every Monday episode. Um, I will leave a question box, like a, a poll on this episode to for you to share any topics that you would like to hear because I love history. I love, you know faith topics and like theology topics. And I'd love to research that. I also do want to talk a little bit more about like political things because, you know, and maybe not in like, um, I don't just want to come on here and spew opinions that I haven't researched or anything, but I do want to like take some issues that are maybe polarizing or I'm not sure how I feel about and go research them and figure out what my feelings are, especially ahead of this upcoming election. And so if you have any like politics, faith, or history topics that you want to want me to speak on, drop them in the poll below. Again, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're on, and I will see you next week for another episode, and I appreciate you all listening. I love doing this podcast, so I'm very excited to be back from my break. So thank you all, and I'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.